0: from Revelation chapter 6 this morning. So if you're there, say amen. Revelation 6, I'm going to begin reading with verse 9. And I'm reading from the King James today. Revelation chapter 6, verse number 9, it says this. John, John recording what he is seeing, what the Lord is showing him. And he says, when he, speaking of Jesus, the Lamb, when he... Had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest, yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also, and their brethren that should be killed, as they were, should be fulfilled. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon the ministry of the Word today. We pray that you will help, that you will help me to say what you want me to say to be an encouragement to your saints, open our understanding this morning. May your anointing rest upon us today in a special way. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Revelation chapter 6 through 19 is the very heart of the book of Revelation. And when you read and study these chapters, and we've given you, I think, a couple of weeks ago when we preached on the rapture from Revelation chapter 4, I gave you the breakdown that, that Jesus gave to John of the divisions of the book of Revelations found in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. But in this division here of Revelation, everything from chapter 4 and 1 Chapter 4, verse 1, everything from there on to the end of Revelation is yet future. And so in these chapters 6 through 19, you have the uh, judgments of God. They contain 21 judgments in these chapters that will be unleashed on the world during the seven-year tribulation period. So Revelation chapter 6 through 19 covers those judgments and covers that tribulation period that will, t- that will begin right soon after the rapture of the church. I want to say this, too, before we get into this this morning, that God, God does not take pleasure in bringing judgment upon the earth. Some people have that idea of God that He's just looking to bring judgment. He can't wait to bring judgment. But just the opposite is true. God always gives um, gives mankind, humanity, an opportunity to repent and to turn to Him. The Bible says that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And God always, always extends mercy And always gives warning before judgment is sent. All the way through the Bible, if you study the Word of God, you'll find out that God has always, that's always been His M.O. He's always extended mercy before judgment came. When he brought the plagues to Egypt upon Egypt and upon up on Pharaoh. I mean, time and time again, God gave Pharaoh the opportunity to, to let the people go. He gave him every opportunity to repent before the judgment came. Even in the days of Noah, when you read about the flood that God was going to send upon the earth to bring destruction. To the earth, God gave an opportunity, 120 years of of Noah being a preacher of righteousness. While the ark was being prepared, Noah preached to those people, but nobody gave heed. And that door of that ark was open all of that time. And they could have boarded at any time until God shut the door. When we look at the people of Nineveh, who were a very wicked people, And God had pronounced that judgment was coming in 40 days upon Nineveh. But before before the judgment came, he sent a, a reluctant prophet by the name of Jonah, didn't he? He sent Jonah to Nineveh to preach to Nineveh. A message of repentance. And when Jonah preached, Nineveh turned to God. And God withheld the judgment from coming upon them because of their turning to Him in repentance. So God always gives an opportunity for repentance. The reason I believe that we are seeing a delay in the coming of the Lord today is because of the long suffering of God. God is, is, is getting a bride ready for His Son and His He's giving people an opportunity to come to the Lord. So we looked a couple of weeks ago at the four horsemen of the apocalypse that is uh, recorded here. The loosing of the first four seals that loose these four horsemen on the earth, which will take place shortly after the rapture of the church. The first seal was loosed, and a white horse rider came forth, which is the Antichrist, came forth conquering and to conquer. The second seal was loosed, and there was a red horse, which is the horse of war, and war will follow after the Antichrist. The third seal was loosed and there was a black horse that came forth representing famine and food shortage which always follows war. And then at the fourth seal there was a pale horse a, a pale horse and rider and this pale horse was death and the bible said that power was given to this rider to slay a fourth of the earth by war and hunger and pestilence and disease one fourth of the population of the earth will will be killed will die within the first three and a half years of the coming tribulation and they say that the um The population, the world population now is around 7.9 billion. So from one and a half to two billion billion people will die uh, during this three and a half year period through hunger, through the wars, through disease, and through pestilence. A terrible time of tribulation is coming on this earth after the rapture of the church. I don't want to be here and I don't want you to be here when these seals begin to be loosed. Can I get an amen? The verse in, verse, in verse nine of this sixth chapter, the fifth seal is open. And here's what we want to deal with this morning. Uh, the opening of this fifth seal, at the opening of the fifth seal we see here, John sees a group of courageous believers who have given their life, have been put to death, have been martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. These were people who come to the Lord Jesus and our people Whom John sees that will come to the Lord Jesus immediately during this time after the rapture of the church and during the time that the antichrist is revealed now you know a lot of people have said and I've heard it said over the years that after the rapture of the church nobody will get saved nobody will have an opportunity but the fact of the matter is that uh, there will be a great revival that will take place after the rapture of the church on this earth during the tribulation period, and there will be millions that will be saved during the time of the tribulation period. The Holy Spirit will not be taken from the earth after the rapture. The Spirit-filled church will be taken from the earth, but the Holy Spirit will continue to do His work on the earth during the tribulation. There will be people that will be saved, many that will be saved through the ministry of the 144,000 Jews that will be sealed, and you read about those, you read about those individuals in the seventh chapter of Revelation, and we're not going to go into that today, but you can read that on your own, and and, uh, we see 144,000 that will be sealed with the seal of God in their forehead. Ladies and gentlemen, these are not Jehovah Witnesses. Amen. These are these are one hundred and forty-four thousand Jews. They are twelve. There are twelve thousand from from uh, from each of the twelve tribes of Israel. There hundred and forty-four thousand Jewish evangelists that are sealed by God and will go forth during the tribulation period. That first three and a half years and will preach the gospel during that. Time, They are God's superpower missionaries during the tribulation period and they will be protected by God. The seal of God will be upon them and nothing will be able to stop them. The Antichrist will not be able to lay a hand on them and their mission will be to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to every place that they go all over around the world. Imagine 144,000 Apostle Paul's imagine hundred and forty four thousand Billy Graham's that are going forth to preach turned loose and protected by God and unstoppable and going everywhere to preach the gospel and as a result of their ministry a great revival will take place and many will be saved you can read about that in, in the seventh chapter of Revelation as well where John in Revelation 7 and 9 beholds a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues that stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palms in their hands and and John is asked the question he's asked the question by one of the elders and said what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence did Came they? Where did they come from? And John said, Sir, you know. I don't know. And this elder said to John, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, and they are before the throne of God. So here we see a great multitude of people that will come to Jesus, that will be saved, and that will be in heaven, that will be born again after the rapture of the church but let me tell you something you don't want to wait until that time. I know there's people that get that mindset and they say, well, you know, if I miss the rapture, I'll know what's going on. I've heard it preached about and I'll, I'll wait till then and I, I'll give my life to Jesus then. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to be very, very difficult to live for God or to live a Christian life during that time. Yes, there will be a move of God. Yes, there will be people that were saved. But those that are saved during the tribulation period, it's not going to be like it is now but in that time Antichrist will attack every Christian it will be everywhere kind of like it is going on in Afghanistan today you'll have to die for your faith you'll either have to worship the beast and take the mark of the beast or profess Christ and die and be executed to be martyred for your faith if you wait that long you won't be able to buy or sell once that mark of the beast is instituted you won't be able to buy or sell you won't be able to go to work you'll have to lose your job some of that's kind of sounding familiar right now can I get an amen you know what I'm saying? We can see these things coming to pass and coming into play even in America today. I mean, the, the talk of vaccine passports that you would have to show before you could before you can go into a grocery store or anywhere, that is not the mark of the beast, but it's laying the foundation for what the Antichrist is going to do after the rapture of the church. And those who refuse to take that mark, after the rapture those who hold faith in Christ will be hunted down and executed and the way and the means of execution at that time will be the 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 guillotine. It will be beheading. That is what the Antichrist will will use to execute those who make profession of faith in Jesus Christ and refuse to worship the beast. That's later on in the book of Revelation. But the Bible tells us in verse number 9 of that 6th chapter the two reasons why those that John saw under the altar, the souls of those that were there, he said they were slain because of number one, the word of God and they slain, number two, because of the testimony that they held. Every true Christian, let me say this, every true Christian in the world today, even here in the United States, every true believer, born-again believer, will face persecution of some kind. The apostle Paul made it very plain Plain, that all who live godly in a Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We've had it relatively easy here in this wonderful nation of ours in the United States of America. But I want to tell you, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I just want us to get ready and be ready because I believe that persecution of the church in the United States is going to be on the rise and on the increase very soon. If we ever had a need of more of God and to be full of God and full of the Holy Spirit, it's the day that we live in today. Those who are playing around the edges and playing church and not really sincere with God are not going to be able to endure the persecution that very soon could come to the United States. States of America. Are you listening to me this morning? The reason for the persecution when it comes here will be the same if we hold the word of God If we have the testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we refuse to compromise our faith, then there will be a persecution that will come against the church, and we just need to be ready for that. It came to the early church, and they had a prayer meeting, and they prayed together for boldness, and they were all refilled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 4, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. God gave them boldness, and you and I need that same boldness today to be able to stand for our testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We need that same testimony today. Praise God. Now John saw the souls of believers that were under the altar in heaven here in Revelation 6. The Bible said that they had been killed for their faith. They had been executed for their faith, but where are they when John sees them? They are in heaven. They are under the altar and they are in the Presence of the Lord, they are in God's presence, and uh, they are asking some questions. And what we read there in that text it says that they cried in verse ten with a loud voice, and they said, "How long, O Lord?" Now notice this, O Lord, holy and true, does Thou not judge and avenge our blood on them which dwell on the earth? Now, it brings us to a question that I want to deal with for a few moments this morning. When John saw these were, these are, are, are people that will die yet in the future. Their souls are in heaven. And how many knows today that the souls, the spirit and the souls of our family and loved ones that have died in the faith are with the Lord and in the presence of the Lord? Amen? So, I want to ask a question today and try my best to answer it with the Word of God. But when it comes to people that have died, believers that have died, or even unbelievers that have died, but especially our family and believers that have died, what do people that have gone to heaven know about what's going on on the earth? Do they know anything about what's going on down here? Do they know everything about what's going on down here? And because, you know, we all have loved ones and family in heaven. And, you know, I've thought about this as I was preparing this week that we have had some in the church that have recently died. In the in the past few months, I have been busy um, officiating at funeral services and preaching funerals for family members and loved ones in this church that have gone on to heaven to be with the Lord. And so we wonder, we wonder about them. Do you ever think about your family that's gone on to be with Jesus? It's gone on to heaven. What are they doing? I mean, are they are they looking down? Are they watching us? And there are several different views that uh, people have on this. One view is, and some people say, well, those in heaven, once they go to heaven, they're so preoccupied with worshiping God that they really don't even care about what's going on on the earth. And if they knew what was happening on the Earth and the events that were taking place, it would make them sad. They just don't know anything at all about what's happening on the Earth. That's one view. There's another view that's very extreme, and you know, we've got to find the middle of the road. You can be on a ditch on this side and a ditch on this side. But when it comes to Bible doctrine, we've got to be right in the middle of the word, in the middle of the word and know what the word says. And the other view is kind of extreme. And there's some that believe that loved ones that die are very aware of everything that goes on in our lives on the earth. That actually that they're even watching our every move. There are some that say that those who family members who have went to be with the Lord, are uh, they can feel their presence with them. That they even speak to them or guide them and communicate with them. But let me tell you something, that communication with the dead is forbidden bidden in the Word of God amen we're not to try to communicate with any of our loved ones or family members that have gone on to be with the Lord that's forbidden in the word of God people you know Harry Houdini's wife had co- a- a- conducted seances to get in touch with Houdini after he died and and people do that today and they say well my, 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 my husband or my wife or, or, or a loved one of mine that's went to heaven they're guiding me they're directing me they're, they're speaking to me you better be careful with that they're not not, no that is not if you've got something speaking to you it better be the word of God and the Holy Spirit amen otherwise it could be a demon spirit or it could be a fallen angel that's communicating we're not to communicate or have any communication with those who have died they're in heaven They're with the Lord Amen But both of these views That I've just given you Are both wrong biblically So what does it even matter Some people would even ask that question Why would we even care about this Well you know here's the thing Ladies and gentlemen I don't know about you Or anybody else But when somebody That you've had regular fellowship With you for years and years Someone that you've been Very close to All of your life Is taken from your life you wonder. About them, you wonder what are they doing. You know how's they. You know we 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 have a little bit of glimpse of eternity and a little bit of insight from the Word of God about what's going on in heaven. But we do do you ever wonder? There was a, a, Tommy Bates sang a song that says, wonder what they're doing in heaven today. It's an old, old song. And I wonder what they're doing in heaven today. I know they're having a grand time and a wonderful time and a great time in the presence of the Lord. How many knows that? your family and children that I have I have children that are in heaven I have family that's in heaven I have parents and grandparents and you do too and friends that are in heaven and and you know what I can tell you this listen they're still alive they're with the Lord they're in his presence they're still conscious and aware hallelujah of a lot more than what you think about you know uh, we get the, the wrong idea many times about heaven and we think that people that go to heaven are just floating around on a little cloud stringing a harp and got a, a, a white robe on. And some think that, well, those that have died and went on to heaven are, 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 are made angels, that they're an angel. I, I, I hear that all the time. You know, well, there's another angel in the choir. Listen, the saints that die are not made angels. They stay human beings in the presence of God in heaven. Heaven's a popular topic. Huh? I don't know if anybody's interested here today, but I'm going to go ahead and preach anyway. It's a popular topic. I I did a search. I typed in heaven books in Amazon about heaven. And there was 60,000 books that's available on Amazon about the afterlife. People telling their experience, having near death experiences, seeing the bright light, going into heaven and coming back, and then telling everybody what they saw in heaven. Well, I don't know how, I don't put a lot of confidence in a lot of that because I believe that the only authorized source on the afterlife is the Bible. Huh? It's the only authorized source. If you want to read those books, that's fine, but you better get your information from what the what the book says, what the Word of God says. Everything you need to know, everything that you and I need to know about the afterlife is in this book right here. Everything that God wants us to know. Well, maybe God wanted us to know some more. So he took brother so-and-so to heaven and showed him all this and he came back and he wrote a book. Telling us what all is in heaven. Well, you know what? God took the Apostle Paul to heaven. And he came back. And God to- he, told- he told the church, he said, that God forbid him to even say or to mention the things that he saw and was told in heaven. I would think if anybody was going to describe heaven that had been there, God would have used the Apostle Paul. But that's just me thinking out loud. What does the Bible say about heaven? What does the Bible say about the afterlife? And I do believe that people in heaven have some knowledge of what's happening on earth. I do believe that. And I'm going to show you. There's there's not, listen to me ladies and gentlemen, family members that die and go to be with the Lord, there is not a complete disconnect with them from what they from their life that was here on Earth, there's not a complete disconnect in heaven with the Earth. People in heaven know more about what's going on in the Earth than we realize or than we think they do. Now I want to give some biblical references for that. Would that be okay if we look and see what the Bible says about that? Or is everybody doing all right? All right, what does the Bible say about that? We want to base that, that that idea on the Bible, on the Word of God. But I want you to look with me, the number one thing that we want to look at. I'm not going to take time to go and read these references, but you can write them down, jot them down, and read them on your own. But in Luke chapter 16... Verses 19 through 31, Jesus told a a story about Lazarus, a poor beggar named Lazarus, and a rich man that had a relationship, so to speak, on the earth. So from this, we realize that people in eternity, and I'm going to share this with you, people in eternity are aware. Now listen to me. They are aware of the fact that loved ones on earth are not saved. There's not a complete disconnect. Both, now, I want to share this. First of all, because so many times people say, well, that story of the rich man and Lazarus wasn't literal. Jehovah's Witnesses will try to tell you that because they don't believe there's a literal burning hell. So they say, well, this is just a parable that Jesus told. This story of the rich man and Lazarus is not a parable. Jesus never used proper names when he gave parables. Jesus used the kingdom of God parables to liken something to another, uh, to something on the earth. But this was not a parable. The Bible says there was a certain... Jesus said there was a certain rich man. There was a beggar named Lazarus. And Jesus told this story about how this rich man and Lazarus knew one another in this life and that beggar came and just you know the rich man would throw him a few crumbs out there, the dogs licked Lazarus sore but the Bible says that they both died and the rich man died and Lazarus died and they both went to the other side into the afterlife listen to me, there is life after death on this earth every one of us will either go to heaven to a place to the place that is in heaven or we will go to the place of torment and that's what happened Lazarus was carried by the angels to a place of comfort to a place of paradise and the rich man went to the place of torment in hell and they were both fully conscious they were both aware of those still on the earth are you listening to me the Bible says in that passage in Luke chapter 16 that the rich man looked over into Abraham's bosom where Lazarus was and he recognized him. He knew who he was and he recognized Abraham. This rich man is in the flames of hell. He looks across that great gulf into paradise there on the other side and he sees Abraham. He sees Lazarus and he said, Oh, Father Abraham, would you please send Lazarus? Just let him dip. He said, I'm tormented. I need water to quench my thirst. Send Lazarus to just dip his finger in water and bring him, let him come. And touch my tongue and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented here in this flame. And Abraham said to him, No, that can't happen. He can't come from here to you. You can't get out of there and come to here. There's a great gulf fixed and there's an eternal separation. But notice what the rich man said. This is his spirit and soul that is in hell. And the rich man said to Abraham, He said, Well, then send Lazarus back to my house, back to my town, because I have five brothers back there. and they're not saved. They don't know God, and I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Sin, Lazarus, listen to me. The point that I'm making is that this rich man in the afterlife knew that he, he remembered that he had five brothers. He remembered them. He knew that they were not saved, and he did not want them to come to this place of torment that he was in. Sin, Lazarus, let him let him go back and 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 tell them not to come here tell them to get things right with god that indicates some knowledge in eternity about what is happening on earth see in the afterlife in heaven you're going to be the same person but you will be a perfect version of yourself. Amen. Those who die in the faith and those who die in the Lord and go to be with the Lord in heaven, they're still conscious. They still have a remembrance of of things on the earth but they're in a perfected state. Hallelujah. And everything's better in heaven. Can I get an amen? You're not going to know Less in heaven, but you're going to know more in heaven. You're not going to be omniscient and know everything just like God does. That's an an attribute of God only and not of humanity. We won't know everything that's going on, but I do believe that there will be a remembrance and we will know the things that God will allow us to know. Will we remember our family on earth? Amen. Should I go to heaven today? Will I remember my wife and my children and my children? church family of course I will will I be concerned about where they spend eternity of course I will this rich man wanted Lazarus to go about it back and and witness to his brothers and he told Abraham he said boy if you know if one would raise from the dead I know they would believe and and Abraham said if they don't believe the Bible they're not going to believe because somebody rose from the dead let them hear Moses and the prophecies, and let them hear the Word of God. Some people want to say, Boy, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. You need to believe what the Bible says. Amen? So that's a Bible instance that shows that someone in the afterlife still remembered things on the earth. And Abraham even said to that rich man, Son, remember You in your lifetime had good things, and Lazarus didn't have it so good. And he called those things to his remembrance. Secondly, when people believe in Jesus on earth, it's public knowledge in heaven. When Jesus did give three parables in Luke chapter 15 about lost things, he gave a parable of lost sheep. Parable of a lost coin, the parable of a lost son. And he talked about that lost sheep being found, the lost coin being found. And when he when he mentioned that, he used this twice, twice in the parables, Jesus said, There is joy in heaven over sinners who repent. Y'all remember that? Huh? Am I am I am I am we on the right page here, huh? You with me? He said that, that there's joy in heaven just like a woman rejoiced over finding a lost corn and a shepherd rejoiced over finding a lost sheep. He said every time a soul gets saved there's rejoicing in heaven. Isn't that what he said? Over one sinner that repents. I know people say the angels in heaven rejoice but that wasn't exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said there is joy in the presence of the angels over a sinner that repents. See if there's a rejoicing and there's a party going on in heaven but somebody got saved then I believe if there's a rejoicing going on around the angels that the people that are there in heaven's gonna know it as well you can't have you know if my neighbors having a big loud party next door I'm gonna know it at my house huh And so there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels there's a party going on in heaven every time a sinner comes to Jesus and gets born again there's a party going on in heaven and those in heaven are aware of the fact that somebody has given their heart and life to Jesus Christ and those in heaven especially listen if you're in heaven and you and and somebody gets saved especially in your family, someone that you've been praying for, you're going to know it. Praise God. Those in heaven know when a family member gets saved and there's rejoicing going on in heaven. Again, not that they're looking down and they're omniscient, but God lets them know that. And every time a sinner's born again, they're shouting on the hills of glory and there's rejoicing in the presence of God and the angels of God. Amen those in heaven know it praise god you know well lemme i didn't got time to go there but i do believe this my grandparents that that passed on when i was just a little fella do you think they know that their grandson is a pastor and saved and a preacher and preaching the gospel? You better believe they know it. God lets them know it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He let them know it the very day that I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Jesus and my name was written down in heaven. There was shouting going on among the presence of those angels. And yes, they know they've got a grandson or a great-grandson. Amen, if all of them are there, hopefully they are. I'm sure my family tree had some scoundrels that didn't make it. (laughs) Amen. But thirdly, people in heaven know about the time and the place of the events on earth. These people here in Revelation 6 and 10 that we read to you about, Believed in Jesus, and they are in heaven. And in heaven, they're aware of several things. They knew the text that I read there in Revelation six verses ten and eleven. They knew they were killed for following Jesus, and they wanted justice upon those who had killed them. They knew how they had died. They could remember that. They knew that wasn't blocked from their consciousness. They are. They were aware. Of the passing of time on the earth. in Verse number 11. So there is a connection. There is a connection between believers in heaven and being on earth and their life on earth. Verse 11 says that they were concerned or they knew something about their fellow servants and their brothers. They were concerned about them suffering on earth and they remembered them and thought of them. They were told that they would be killed for their faith as well. They said, how long, O Lord? These are the souls of those who had been martyred that were under the altar in heaven and they remembered that they had been martyred. They remembered that they had given their life for Christ and they said, how long before? you administer justice and judgment upon those who have who have martyred us and killed us and the Lord told them the Lord told them you just rest a while it's going to, in just a little moment of time in just a while I'm going to take care of all of that amen but he said your brethren your brethren uh, the fellow servants and your brethren that should be killed and, and will be killed that must be fulfilled first so they were aware of the fact that that the Lord had told them they had some friends and loved ones and brethren that were yet to be mortared and yet to die before the end would come they they asked that question to the Lord in heaven how long oh Lord you know what that's still a question in heaven that's still a question on earth and God said to them you're going to rest for a little season God says I just want you to leave that to me I'm going to take care of all the concerns you have about what's happening on the earth just rest for a little while see that's the thing about those family and loved ones that's gone on to be with the Lord the Bible says that they have rest blessed are those which die in the Lord for they shall rest from their labors he said in Revelation 14 and 13. God tells them that in just a little season, I'm going to take care of all those things that you don't understand. It won't be long, and let me tell you something, church, today. There's a lot of things I don't know and don't understand, and when we get to heaven, we're going to know a lot more than we know now. We're looking through a glass darkly, but then we'll see face to face when that which is perfect is come, that which is done in part, will pass away. But I can tell you something today. Hallelujah. God has got me in the palm of his hand. Amen. And there's coming a day and it won't be very long. I said it won't be very long. I said it's going to be just a little season. It won't be long. Jesus is coming for his people, for his church. We're going to rest from our labors just a little season, just a little season. Oh, hallelujah. Let me close with one last verse. It's 12 o'clock. Early yet. (laughs) One last verse. Hebrews chapter 12. Let me find it here. I didn't copy it in my notes, so we'll turn we'll do it the old fashioned way. we'll turn to it. Hebrews chapter number twelve, verse one and i'll I'll, I'll wind it up with this verse. Wherefore seeing verse one. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sandwich which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And the first part of verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve follows Hebrews chapter eleven. Now, isn't that a great revelation? <clears throat> but how many of y'all know what Hebrews chapter is all about? Anybody know? Hebrews chapter eleven is God's Hall of Fame or God's Hall of Faith. It gives the list of the biblical heroes, the men and women that lived by faith and. How they lived by faith and how they died for, the, for their faith and in their faith. And the, 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 the picture then in Hebrews chapter 12 is a picture of a race and he begins that 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 verse he says wherefore and when you see wherefore that's connecting verse 11 with verse with chapter 11 with chapter 12 and he says wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses well who are the great cloud of witnesses it was those that were named and when they were mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 those heroes of faith and here he pictures a race and he pictures a great coliseum that is filled to capacity, to capacity with spectators. And the crowd is those heroes of chapter 11, those who have already participated in the race. And they have run the race and they have finished their race and they have endured to the end and they have won and they are in heaven. These of Hebrews chapter 11 believed God and they stood fast for God in the face of all kinds of trials and temptations and and opposition. And they never buckled and they never crumbled in their faith. That is what true faith will do for you. It will keep you from Buckling and crumbling and quitting and giving up in the midst of the trials of, and, uh, 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 of this life. True faith is not going to cause you not to have trials. It's not going to cause you not to have persecution or to live a troubled free life. But when those trials and tests and persecution come, true faith will keep you in the race. And you'll keep on running and you'll keep on going even when you feel like giving up and the devil says there's no use. True faith, even when facing death, will say, I believe in my Lord and my God and I will not stop believing. That's true faith. These witnesses are example to us. From Hebrews 11, they cross the finish line. And listen, they're interested in how we run our race. Paul said it's a great great cloud of witnesses. And I believe those in heaven want us to win as well. To cross the finish line as well. Their great faith and endurance should inspire us and should stir us. To stay in this race. So in the light of all the heroes that have gone on before us. And have run the race with endurance. We need to stay in the race. Now are those, are those loved ones. Are they all sitting in a big coliseum. Looking down and watching us run our race. No. I can't say that biblically. Because the Bible does not say that. But they are aware of this. They are aware that we're still running the race. And their desire for us is to endure and not give up. And I believe I've got two daughters, I know I do, two daughters in heaven that are waiting for me at the gate when I cross the finish line. They're going to be there along with other family members. Can I get an amen? Heaven's a real place. Heaven's not a a myth. Heaven's not a figment of our imagination. We've got something to look forward to. And I'm going to tell you what Paul said he said, I've got a desire to be with Christ, which is far, far better than staying here. Heaven's sounding sweeter all the time. Can I get an amen? No, I can't say biblically that they're sitting in a big coliseum looking at us. I do believe that those in heaven are aware of some things that happen in our life, but I believe that they only know what the Lord Jesus allows them to know. There's one thing we do know. We do know Jesus is looking down, and he knows. We do know we got one spectator. Come on, somebody. I said, we got one spectator, and his name is Jesus, and he's looking down, and he knows what we're going through, and he sees what we're facing. And he sees the race that we're running, and he's aware of everything, and he's there to encourage us. And he that's what he does here. He's encouraging us through the apostle Paul, who said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we're to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us and run the race with endurance. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, when we know somebody's watching us, you know, if you've ever played sports or whatever you've ever ever done, uh, run a race or played baseball or played football or run track or whatever, you know if there's somebody that there's somebody in the stands that's watching you and looking at you when you know your mom and dad's there, it, uh, it just makes you want to perform so much better. When I played baseball, I knew if I had some family members in the stand watching me, I wanted to do my very best that I could do. And I can tell you, I don't know that my mom's looking down. I don't know that my grandma's looking down. I believe they know exactly only what the Lord allows them to but I know Jesus is looking down I know his eyes on me if his eyes on the sparrow his eyes on me and he will be with me every step of the way and as long as he's watching me I want to run this race the best of my ability I want to make it to the finish line I want to run my course and finish my course with joy and fulfill what God has given me to do and then go to be with Jesus. Can I get a amen today? Give the Lord a praise. I don't want to stay here one minute after God's done with me. When I've run my race, finished my course, like the, the Apostle Paul said, I'm ready to be offered up. The time of my departure, he said, is at hand, and I've fought a good fight. I've run the race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And there's laid up a crown of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Worship teaming, make your way back. Listen, our loved ones that have gone on are not in the grave. The body is, I did Brother Miracle, Norm the Miracle's funeral a few weeks back. Great man of God, loved Jesus with all of his heart. And you know what? Brother Norm is not dead his body, and you know that his body is asleep, but his soul and spirit is with the lord there's though there are those that teach a soul sleep, and they say the spirit and the soul goes to sleep with the body in the grave and just sleeps there. You know, until the resurrection morning when they hear the trumpet, then they'll wake up. That body is the only thing that sleeps. And what death is, is a separation. It's a separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. To be absent from the body is what? To be where? Present with the Lord we did brother Elmer Reed's funeral here in this church a few years ago and he's with the Lord does he know everything that's going on only what the Lord allows him to but I can tell you one thing he's awaiting that day he'll get to be with us again with all of us again hallelujah we've buried a lot of saints of God in the last few years but they're with the Lord in heaven hallelujah they're awaiting that great day when they will be resurrected when their body and spirit and soul soul will be reunited there's a resurrection morning coming and that's what the rapture of the church is it's the beginning of that first resurrection when the dead and shall arise and we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and caught up together to meet the Lord in the air we're all going to heaven we need to make sure that we're ready and right with the Lord when that trumpet of God God sounds